Syracuse basketball ends a three-game skid with a win over Boston College, and Jim Beheim is back in national headlines with some groundbreaking news about what next year might look like. We've got a lot to talk about. It's a loaded Monday at Locked On Syracuse, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Happy Monday. We got a lot to talk about today. I'm Owen Valentine on Locked On Syracuse. And thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Host your job for free at LinkedIn or at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. So Syracuse gets a big win over Boston College on Saturday. That is important. We will talk about that. But what we're going to lead with today is some big comments that Jim Beheim made to Pete Thamel of ESPN in an article that was released on Saturday after the Boston College game. He talks a lot of interesting info. And the main component is that at this point in time, it does not seem like Jim Beheim will be exiting the Syracuse basketball program for a little bit of time. And it does not seem like a conversation he's excited to have and one that he wants to have. It seems like he is saying, hey, I'm here until I don't want to be here. And that is sort of the the summary of what I've gotten from this Pete Thamel article. Uh, here's the quote on the retirement at this point in time. Uh, He goes, quote, I have no other plans. Listen, this has been the question of the day for 15 years. It isn't a new question. It's just the calendar going, well, he's 75 or 78, excuse me. It's just the calendar. If it wasn't the calendar, if I was 65, no one would be saying anything. And I'm not going to retire just because it's the calendar. Anything can happen. Anything literally. We'll just see what happens. I don't say anything because I don't know. So this is important. This means that the time frame that I think a lot of people started to jump on board and maybe myself and Matt when he was here as well, uh, were a little bit interested in it and thought that maybe the end of this season could sort of be the passing of the torch to a Jerry McNamara, to an Autry, something in terms of that transition. Uh, and that quote is telling you, hey, not so fast. This is something that we're going to postpone and we're going to prolong and we are going to you know, continue to talk about. And Beheim, you know, in that article as well, sort of says, the athletic department and John Wildeck is on board with this idea that Bayheim has the leash to coach until he's gone and has the leash to coach until he says, Hey, thanks, John, I'm going to head out. That is sort of the ordeal that this is at this point in time. And I think a lot of people have had this idea that Jim is here until Jim wants to go. And I don't know if that's groundbreaking news to anyone, but it did seem like things at this point in time were starting to lean towards he might be ready to go. And he himself, the way the attitude has been, the way he's made headlines in the last two weeks for comments made and reactions to uh, student journalists asking questions in press conferences and things of that nature, it seemed like the conversation was stirring up a little bit more. And 
people started to flip the switch, right? Transition a little bit from I am Jim Beheim and I am a Jim Beheim supporter until the day I die uh, to, all right, maybe I can still be a Jim Beheim supporter, but understand that now might be the time for him to head out. And that question, that conversation is heightening even further given the last couple of weeks and definitely given the comments made from Pete Thamel. Here's a little bit more on the quote. This is part where I, I think is a very interesting stat that coach leads with. He says, 95% of Syracuse people want me to coach. Why wouldn't they? As bad as we've been the last two years, we were fun to watch last year and we're still fun to watch and we're still competing. We just played three of the top teams in the country to a standstill. If you're getting beat by 20 by those teams, then you say, okay, we'll see. So that's where the quote leaves off. And I think 95% jumps off the page. That's 19 out of 20 people saying, hey, Jim should stay. There's no issue here in terms of coaching, in terms of recent success. Things are fine. We can look the other way. We can let him continue to coach. I don't think that number is accurate. I don't think the number is, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 percent. But I do think that there is not quite that type of percentage, even amongst casual fans at this point in time. There is some distrust and some distaste in terms of the Jim Beheim name, in terms of Syracuse basketball fans at this point in time. It has not been an incredible stretch of basketball for Syracuse at this point in time. And I don't think anyone's here to argue that it has been, right? You missed the tournament last year. You're on track to miss the tournament once again this season. That'll be the third time in almost 50 years that Syracuse has done that, last time being, I believe, 2007, 2008. But this is what is happening right now when you've got the only losing record in uh, Bayheim's tenure last season and, and some difficulties and things have not been great. And recruiting hasn't quite been to the level that you want it to be, albeit there is a great freshman class here right now. There are some questions that are rightfully being asked, and I don't think the number 95% is reflective of what the current state of the Syracuse fan base is. There are a lot of conversations happening. There are a lot of people that believe it might be time. And the more they watch things and the more they watch interactions and the more they watch this team play and these teams of recent play, the conversation continues to happen. It's interesting because there, there has been some tournament success. And I don't think it would be you know me having this conversation correctly without acknowledging the fact that even with some down years, right? Final four in 2016. So final four within the last 10 years. Sweet 16s in 2018. Sweet 16 in 2021, right? You, you've had some recent tournament success when you've been there and doing that in terms of teams that weren't anticipated to make runs like that, which I think a lot of programs in college basketball would take, right? How many teams have a final four and multiple Sweet 16s in the last decade? Not many, right? And I think we might even be able to say it's two Final Fours in the last decade at this point in time. So two Final Fours and multiple Sweet 16s in the last decade. The postseason success has been there, but I think the frustration and the difficulties in terms of Bayheim and in terms of this program has been that the regular seasons have not been what they once were. And there, there was once a time, and it wasn't that long ago, it was right around transition time from the Big East to the ACC, where you expected Syracuse to win every regular season game, especially the non-conference slate, and go into conference play and be favorites and be expected to win pretty much every game. 
that's not quite there. And I think that's where this conversation comes from in terms of Bayheim. And this seems like the comments he made to Pete Thamel are a little bit disconnected from what is reality. Are there a lot of people that still support Jim Bayheim and will support Jim Bayheim until he says, see ya? Yes. But there's also a growing number of people that I think were once in that boat that are starting to transition over to the, all right, let's see what happens. But I will say this, and this is sort of where we'll leave it off in terms of this conversation for now. Maybe we'll revisit it later in the year. Maybe we'll revisit it towards the end of the season. But where I'll leave this is Jim has praised this recruiting class. He called it when it happened, even before Judah signed. He called it the best recruiting class he's ever had. And this freshman core has shown a lot of talent and showed a lot of progress from, you know, three, four months ago when the season started to now, even if they're on the wrong side of a few close games against the better portion of the ACC. This is a better group of freshmen than they came in right now. They're getting there. And with Jim saying he's not stepping aside, I think this is the opportunity for a lot of people, and this is sort of where I fall, to say, all right, here's the last chance. You take this freshman group and you bring them back for year two. Do you take the necessary strides to be in the upper portion of the ACC? Do you take the necessary strides to be a shoe-in to the NCAA tournament with this core as they take the next steps? If you do, I am fine to extend Jim's leash one more time. Give him a little bit of leeway, see what happens moving forward from there. If next year goes poorly with this group, with Bayheim at the top, I think it is finally time in my mind uh, to say that it's time for Jim and it's time to move on, whether it's internal or external, different conversation. But if next year you don't have the strides, you don't have the improvements with this young core and maybe a couple of transfers from the transfer portal or a late signee in the 23 class, maybe Marcus Adams Jr. reclassifies, comes to Syracuse. That'd be huge. Who knows, right? Whatever that deal is, whatever that situation is, I'm fine to extend the leash. But if that doesn't happen, uh, I, I think myself and a lot of people would be here to say that it is time for the Bayheim era at Syracuse to come to a close. All right, let's hear from our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively or more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast for free. LinkedIn Jobs make it easy to screen and rate the applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. Syracuse played a basketball game on Saturday. 
We started with the Bayheim conversation. He is extending things in terms of his career at Syracuse, rapidly approaching year 50. But the Orange, at this point in time, snapped a three-game losing skid in the ACC. They had lost four of their last five, and they go on the road to Boston College in a sold-out game. Interesting. I don't know why, but it was a sold-out game uh, in a packed environment, and Syracuse gets a road victory. Uh, I think it's something that a lot of people are are relatively pleased with. I don't think people at this point in time are all too picky at how the win looks as long as Syracuse wins, right? They now advance to 14 and 10 on the season. It was a nine-point game. They, they battled in this one, right? It was close, and the Orange started – it was competitive score-wise, but the Orange started ice cold from deep, and actually both teams did. I believe teams were like three for 19 to open up this game from deep. The shooting was horrendous early on in this basketball game, but Syracuse continued to keep pace. It was close at halftime, uh, and then they get into the second half, and they were in the driver's seat for most of the second half, and this was a game where it sort of felt like a five-point lead was a lot bigger than it was, and you started to see that. But but Syracuse lost the lead and got down three, and Jim Beheim called timeout with eight minutes left, a little over eight minutes left. And the Orange were out of timeouts at that point, I believe. No timeouts the rest of the way. And Beheim said this after the game, that if you don't use your timeouts, then you're not going to be in a situation at the end of the game where you need to use them. So even if it means unloading the clip, calling the timeouts when you need to call the timeouts, in his mind, goes the long way and is more effective than if he were to have maybe banked a couple of timeouts to try and be in a late game situation in his mind. And, you know, I think he might be correct in this situation. If he didn't call the timeouts when he did the runs BC was going on the way Syracuse was playing, it wouldn't have mattered what he had in terms of timeouts for the last two, two and a half minutes of this basketball game. But Jim calls a timeout with eight and change to play. Syracuse is down three to Boston college. And it seemed like, right? This was the script we've gotten used to. Miami, Syracuse is winning. Then down the stretch, the other team comes back. They take the lead. Syracuse doesn't get back into it. The UNC game, right? Syracuse takes a relatively late lead, and then they don't see that lead again. The Virginia game, Syracuse gets up four or five points. They get a late lead, and then they don't see that lead again. It seemed like, is this the fourth time that this is going to happen to a team in Boston College who, although they have beaten a ranked Virginia Tech and a ranked Clemson. Is not a great basketball team by any means. Were you going to do it for the fourth straight time? And Beheim comes out of the timeout with a beautiful play to get Jesse, I believe, an alley oop uh, and get this back to a one score game. And then Syracuse was in the driver's seat the rest of the way. They were very comfortable, extended, and end up winning this game by nine, which, for what it's worth, was the exact prediction that I made. I said they'd win by eight to 12 in this basketball game. And I believe nine fits in that threshold pretty comfortably. A couple of big takeaways in this game for me uh, is Jesse Edwards. I mean, how do you not lead with Jesse Edwards? He was my biggest question going into this game because of the matchup that he had against Quentin Post, who is listed as bigger than Jesse, but pregame photos that I was looking at, I think Jesse is the taller player, uh, which, which is a bit of a shakeup, but I think still, Jesse with 27, a career day for him. He had 27 points, seven rebounds, two assists, four blocks, and a steal. He was doing everything. He was the reason Syracuse was in this game. He is the reason that they won this basketball game. He was outstanding in this game. Moves that Jim Beheim said he's never seen him pull off and score 
at this point in time. And Jesse just seemed really confident, really comfortable. And it's something that I, I had mentioned going into our Friday episode previewing this game, right? He has had a tough stretch after the first 10 games of the year. So the 14 games since then, he'd only scored 18 points or the 13 games since then. Uh, he had only scored 18 points once. And to come out and have a day like he did and go 27 points on 12 of 15 from the floor is absolutely outstanding. He is the MVP of that game. He is the reason Syracuse won. He was a pleasure to watch uh, and an absolute treat and a reminder of what he can do and something that we hope he builds on and continues to do because of how incredible that performance was. A couple other notes. Gerard struggled shooting, did okay. Uh, the big thing for me, right, is even on an off day, nine for nine from the foul line, that was absolutely huge. Uh, and he got six rebounds and four assists. So even though he wasn't necessarily scoring at an efficient clip, I think he played okay. Uh, obviously, you want to see him play better. And 18 points, you're, you're not going to say he played absolutely terrible. But this wasn't an efficient 18 that you you could get out of Gerard or things where he shoots the ball a little bit better from deep. One for th six from three, four for 13 from the field. Uh, not exactly what you want to see but he did grind, he did battle, and Syracuse walks out with a victory uh, in this game. Going down the line here, um, and Jim Beheim said this, and I think it's, it's a really cool thing because we haven't necessarily seen it yet. Judah didn't play a great game for a lot of this basketball game. He struggled. He didn't play outstanding. And as Jim mentioned, right, so far this season, when Judah has played bad games, he has played a bad game from start to finish. And in this one, Judah played a, a tough stretch and uh, a tough, you know, maybe half plus of basketball. But he didn't let that completely check him out for the remainder of this game. And, and he did what they needed to do. He picked up five assists. I think he's distributing the ball a heck of a lot better. Four steals in this game uh, to help Syracuse out. Uh, a couple of huge assists of those five were right out of that timeout that I was just talking about uh, for Syracuse to regain the lead in this one. Uh, he did really well, and, and then the unsung hero, or maybe he is adequately sung in this game in terms of scoring, is Justin Taylor went three for three from deep for nine points in this basketball game, uh, and it felt like every three he made was incredibly massive in this game for Syracuse. It, the first one, I believe, might have given them the lead. The second one was right in that similar boat. Uh, he hit clutch shots. And that's exactly what you need from him coming in off the bench is to be able to hit tough shots. And that's where I, I think a lot of people are, are really excited for what he can present because now he's got, right, it's not just these complete flash-in-the-pan moments. Uh, he's starting to score a little bit more consistently uh, as things move forward. A few other notes. Uh, Symir Torrance, albeit the scoring, won't represent what he did in terms of this game, right? He had two points, two assists. I, I think he – I'm not going to call Justin Taylor the unsung hero in this one because I think, you know, with nine points and three big threes in this game that his his praises will be sung enough. Symir Torrance is the unsung non-statistical hero of this basketball game. He came in and, and controlled things when, when Judah was struggling. And when Judah struggles, we know he sort of gets this out of control, tries to force things and things like that. And Symir was the absolute opposite, and it's just what Syracuse needed. He was very composed. He was under control, and he slowed the pace down and allowed Syracuse to go offensively and work offensively 
in a manner that will will help them succeed far better than what Judah was doing at that point in time. And Simeon played an incredibly valuable 17 minutes. And I think that's something that we might start to see a little bit more often is Simeon coming in for, for an extended stretch or a more extended stretch when Judah does have those off games or off stretches at this point in time because of the, the parity that those two players present in terms of Judah. And, and Judah is fast-paced and can score and get to the rim, whereas Simeon is going to play a more composed game and, and try to move the ball and try to run the offense a little bit differently. Uh, there's time and place for both, and, and I think it's a good situation that Syracuse can have. Chris Bell, Benny Williams in this game, both of them pretty much non-factors. Uh, Benny misses badly the, the first three back. Uh, I think a lot of people were hoping that he could just sort of come in, bounce back after uh, his brief hiatus uh, from the team from that Virginia game and not being in the Dome about a week ago. Didn't quite have the bounce back that you thought. He played seven minutes. Chris Bell played 11 minutes. He was 0 for 3 from 3. He did hit have two rebounds, which you don't usually see from him. But uh, interesting at, at that point in time to sort of see where the forward position goes. Malik Brown, only four points, six rebounds. Uh, played 37 minutes. I thought he played fine, just he wasn't, right? He wasn't the normal offensive presence maybe that he usually was. And I think that's a result of just the way Jesse Edwards was playing. He didn't really need to get involved in the same manner that he has a handful of times already this season. All right, let's take one more break as we uh, head down towards our final stretch of this episode. Let's hear from our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all that fat, all of those calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good, you ask? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built Bar does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. All right, final stretch here. Let's take a look over at Twitter. Uh, not a ton of you know major hostile reactions as we've sort of gotten used to in the Twitter sphere at this point in time after games, but let's take a look at a handful of the responses and then we will call it a Monday episode. Lucas Sachel, a win is a win. Build those wins for a good seed in the ACC tournament. I think that's a, a fair positive outlook to sort of try and have on this team at this point, right? At this point in time, realistically, your only chance at the NCAA tournament is winning the ACC tourney, and seeding could play a big role, right? Getting an extra day off and not playing early on uh, and ensuring that maybe matchups are a little bit more favorable will go a long way in making it to the finals. Uh, Randy Horwitz, Judah had a great floor game in the second half. Yeah, I think uh, as Beheim said and as we sort of just touched upon, uh, cool to see him struggle in the first half and then figure things out. And it seems like a lot more uh, of a veteran move to be able to pull that off. And I, I like it in terms of his progression to see that this is something that would have tripped him up for all 40 minutes earlier on in the season. And, and he's starting to compete and move a little bit uh, and grow in terms of his experience and, and him as a player, which is really cool to see. Um, Ned, 
over on Twitter says the ball was moving. Everyone was looking for Jesse. He delivered. Mintz was composed down the stretch. Justin hit some big shots. One of their better team efforts. Yeah, it was cool to see, you know, in a game where Jesse went off, there were a lot of contributors and not your typical everyday contributors, right? To see that from Justin Taylor and have a great day. I, I think I'm so excited to see what his career turns into at Syracuse. I, I, I'm really pleased. And I think a lot of people shared that idea on Twitter at this point to see Symir come in and play a game like that. Really cool as well. Uh, Jim Haynes or Hines uh, closed out a big road game against a team that's been playing well, ugly, but a good win. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, but to quote uh, AJ Black of Locked on BC, it was gritty, not pretty, right? It was not beautiful from start to finish, but they did what they needed to do. And they won a basketball game on the road in the ACC to break a three-game losing skid, right? Breaking a three-game losing skid, I don't really think you care how it looks as long as it doesn't progress to a four-game skid. Uh, Andrew Eaton, it was hard to watch. Hopefully they can build momentum. But realistically, in the end, they suck, parentheses, until next year. Uh, it was hard to watch at some points during this game. Um, but I, I think this is a game that is starting to show the momentum that is building, albeit they haven't been winning even though they've been losing some games, they are starting to get there. They're starting to play better basketball. They're starting to work better as a team. And I think you nailed it. I'm not going to say they suck, but I do think that the until next year seems like what a lot of people are starting to think of because next year does look pretty promising uh, if this core decides to stay. Uh, Dunner, plain and simple, just says take it. Yeah, uh, you, there's not really room to be picky at this point in time. And Caleb Patry with a similar idea, take the W and get ready for Florida State 100%. Uh, Jesse from Mackey 118 says, Jesse had a sick post move. Jesse's post moves in this game were at a level that they weren't really, you know, you don't usually see out of him. And I, I think it was really cool to see and really fun to watch. Uh, so a couple of shout outs to close out the episode today. Shout out Jesse Edwards, absolute career day out of him. Um, shout out Jim Beheim because there are some more comments and maybe we'll discuss them later in the year or later in the week, uh, on this. And it is just, it's funny, uh, to see how he just speaks so candidly and, and says what he wants and love him or hate him. Uh, there aren't many people that speak in what they believe pure honesty at all points in time, the way Jim Beheim does. So he's going to get sort of an in-betweener sort of shout out there. Um, I think that was just funny to see. So maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the week. Um, but I will also say shout out to Benny Williams, even though he, he didn't have a great day, uh, in this game, it, it's difficult to, to see what he's gone through and, and to get to a point where, you know, a, a high level four-star recruit fringe five-star recruit, uh, who hasn't been working out incredibly well in terms of college and gets to that point and does come back. Uh, I, it's not easy. And so I'll give him a shout out because even though the game wasn't great, uh, I appreciate him trying to work through it. And I think that's something that you saw right in comments he made towards the end of last year. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to work things out at Syracuse. And he's embodying that one more time. Does he step away at the end of the year? Maybe. But at this point in time, he is trying to work it out. And it's not working, which is unfortunate but he is still trying to get there and he works his butt off and he's trying to do whatever it takes to figure it out. Uh, and and I, I really do hope. And I, I think a lot of the Syracuse fan base and community, because he's such a good kid 
uh, is, is in that same boat, right? You want this to work out. And I will continue to, to hope that it does until maybe uh, he has to exit or until it officially doesn't. But I think everyone wants it to work out with Denny. Uh, so I'll give him the shout out just for sort of continuing to work through and get to that point in time. All right, that's where we'll sort of leave it today. Uh, Syracuse gets a big win and Bayheim is not going anywhere. Uh, so strap in uh, because year 50 is the very, very realistic outcome of what happens at this point in time. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast. It's Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac and Andy bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from some big name experts, some coaches, and some players throughout the basketball landscape. It's Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Syracuse today. If you like what you heard, wherever you're listening, feel free to subscribe, feel free to like, feel free to follow us over on Twitter. We'd love to continue to interact with you. Reply to us on YouTube, reply to us on Twitter, and join the conversation yourself. I'm Owen Valentine. We'll catch you tomorrow.